In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The parable of the Good Samaritan presents certain challenges for us as we determine how to respond to the various needs we see by the roadside. But let us first consider the primary meaning of the parable. A lawyer asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? He asked that question with faulty motive. Having established the agreed-upon morality, thou shalt love God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, only one task remained for the lawyer, how to define neighbor in such a way as to excuse his failures. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us, quote, you have heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for those that despitefully use you and curse you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Therein lies the problem. When the de definition of neighbor is expanded to include my enemy, I will have issues when my behavior is judged. However, if I can whittle down the definition of neighbor so that it includes only those I already love, then at least I may have some defense when my behavior is called into account on the day of judgment. The parable is directed at religious people, priests and deacons, or priests and Levites, as they used to call them. What is not self-evident in the story is that the priest and Levite both had a religious justification for not helping the wounded man. If either touched a dead body, the Torah said they would be unclean and unable to perform their ministerial duties in the temple. Since half-dead looks a lot like dead and might soon become dead, they could use their religion as a reason not to stop and help. However, as God said to Hosea, quote, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. That is to say, God would have preferred that they stopped and helped and get someone to cover for them in the temple. The point Jesus makes concerning behavior is this. If we ask, what can I do to be saved? The answer is nothing. The best we will come up with through human effort and sophistry will fall short of the glory of God. As our epistle says, quote, The scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. We cannot be saved by what we do. We can only be saved by Christ, by putting our faith in him. However, 
once we put our faith in the Son of God and are renewed by the gift of the Holy Spirit, what was impossible becomes possible. We were enemies of God, but God made us his friends through the cross. Now we can embrace those who were our enemies. We can rise above our natural human limitations through the grace God gives to us and begin to love the way God loves. We can pray for those who oppose us. We can pray even for the terrorist that he might be converted and saved. As St. Paul, who terrorized the early church, was converted. We can do good to an enemy as unto one who bears the image of God. In short, we can, as Jesus said, be perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Such perfection is not easy because loving our enemies and helping those in need is not easy. In the parable, the need and the remedy were somewhat obvious. However, the needy we encounter by the roadside often present additional difficulties, for they include the mentally ill, professional manipulators, and others who refuse to be held accountable. We see someone by the roadside saying, we'll work for food, and we give. Then we discover that sitting by the roadside with such a sign can be a reasonably profitable endeavor. Get a young child to sit next to you, and I'm told you can make about $100 or more a day, tax-free. Someone comes to the church office for assistance, and we give some assistance. Then someone follows that person for a block and watches them get into a brand-new SUV with leather, leather seats and drive away. And yet, there are real needs, and there are real wounds. The fact that the needy are not always the pure in heart does not excuse us from responding, for neither are we always the pure in heart. God rewards our motives in giving even when the recipient misuses what we give. Nonetheless, it seems irresponsible to continually give in circumstances where the gift might actually provide incentives for a person not to get well. The impulse to charity in our culture often lacks the biblical balance between generosity and accountability, between the command of Jesus to freely give and the command of Paul, quote, if he will not work, neither let him eat. The parable hints at at least a beginning of an answer to the dilemma. The Good Samaritan took the wounded man to an inn where he was nursed and fed until he regained his strength. The inn in the parable was understood by the church fathers to be an image of the church. This suggests that when we find people wounded by the road half dead in sin, 
we should bring them to the church, to the community of the faithful, to the people of God. Healing is to be found not merely in money, but in a relationship with God experienced through the life of prayer among the community of the faithful. The unspoken truth about neediness in our culture is that it results not from a lack of money, but from the breakdown of families and relationships. It results in large measure from fatherlessness. The only answer is to restore people to a relationship with their Heavenly Father in the family of God through the church. Alienation is the problem. A new community consisting of truthful, sincere, and close relationships is the answer. Of course, this makes the answer harder, not easier. One of the reasons we give money so freely is that it is easier to write a check than it is to invest time and energy into wounded and difficult people. But God invests himself in us, even though we are also wounded and can often be quite difficult. And we are called to give just as we have received. And there's also a challenge to the church to be a place where the wounded can come and be healed. When we bring people to the inn that is the church, we discover that we have a multitude of others to help us in the task of ministering to the wounded. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. <clears throat> the Samaritan knew about the inn because he himself had stayed there and been refreshed by its shelter and care. <clears throat> he knew that it, this was a place where the wounded could find refreshment and healing. As Jesus said, go and do thou likewise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.